So I think a lot of artists are looking at it this way of, okay, how do we build up to this moment on V2 as that one-of-one -one experience, but also stay on top and keep releasing music and build up the quality of their community and collectors by using the factory and, and um, Polygon. So I, I feel like there's still a lot of findings and a lot of ways that are going to be creative with how artists are releasing on both marketplaces. But I believe that, um, you know, it's, it's us just trying to create more moments for artists. Welcome back to OnChain Experiments, where we talk with the creators and collectors building Web3. I'm your host, Sweetman.e, software engineer at Mint Songs, the music NFT company. Today's guest is Nick Merich, otherwise known as Merich.eth. He's the director of growth at Mint Songs, which means we're co-workers and buddies. On this episode, we talk about Mint Songs v2, including Zora v3, one of one editions, Talk about what Mint Songs has been doing at NFT NYC, the biggest event in the world for NFTs, as well as what it means for Mint Songs to be the first open music NFT platform to go multi-chain on both Polygon and Ethereum. Hope you enjoy. I think starting in January, we have been throwing these events with Chill Pill. We did one at NFT LA. We went out to LA a few times. Um, and just this idea around inviting a bunch of artists to the studio, making some music, minting that music and having a, a place to network and connect with collectors and platforms and people in the space and other artists in the space. Um, we saw the power in that over these last few events and going into NFT NYC, it just felt like, man, that's where, that's where everybody was headed. Um, so we definitely wanted to find a way to be a part of that in some capacity. So on Monday we had, or for the whole week, we partnered with Squad of Nights, Reveal, and Chill Pill to bring this all to life at Quad Recording Studios. Uh, we had the studio from 3 p.m. till I think 3 a.m., every night so before the nightly events we had studio sessions with artists that were working with the head producer at chill pill which is kajay um and just making music like the first time a lot of these artists uh were able to see each other work together there was just a lot of advantage there so on monday we had a collector's party everybody was kind of flying in that day so a little hangout before the week got started on Tuesday, it was Reveals Night, so they made a song. I know Tarot, Jazzy, a bunch of other artists were on that song, and then they used their platform and tools to, after they created that song, um, and they also did a panel with Black Dave, Tarot, Adrian, and Jazzy, um, and that was, a, that was a great event. I, I was talking with Adrian about that, of like how valuable it was for him to put their brand out into the crowd and, and, you know, bring all the people and cultivate this night where they can communicate with their community. Wednesday was our night, the mid songs night. And, you know, we, we were kind of chewing on this for the last few months. What would we do at 
at NFT NYC? How could we make it valuable? How could we tie it into our artists? You know, we just released V2. So how could that be a part? Um, so we came up with this thing called Live Minty Sessions, where we brought 11 artists. We paid 11 artists from our V2 platform that was part of our release to come and perform 15, 20-minute sets. There was nine artists that did um, that performed those sets. Um, and then we had Pat Dimitri, who was also a part of our V2 launch, but he played acoustic for all of the sets. So you imagine he learned like everybody's set literally over the course of four days and brought so much magic. Um, so I'm just so grateful for him because it was such a, a great added value for us. But the artists that performed was Jazzy, Iotemi, Cam Murdoch, Domino, Bob Love, Alec King, Sammy Ariega, Wim, and then a DJ set from Harrison First. Um, in between each performer, Nikki, our community manager, popped up talked about each artist, little one-liner, grabbed everybody's attention, and then we went into the next set. Um, and me and Jazzy were kind of the the main ones to help curate this night. You know, what artists do we pick? What time do they go up? How do we curate an event that that is fun and, and um, engaging for everybody? And so there was a, a great turnout there. Over 350 people came to our event that night. We also recorded all of the live Minty sessions. And we're currently in talks with the artists of how can we package this up and either give it for away for free to our community, but um, mint it on factory. Um, and so we're, we're currently figuring out that. But that was the whole, the whole goal of our night was really just to be able to put artists on a stage, um, being able to pay them and also being able to have them connect uh, with, with our community. And then on Thursday, the Squad of Nights uh, night where Illmind invited all of the holders and you had to, you had to, I believe, show your night to get into the event. And it was amazing. There was like north of 300 people. He did a talk with all of the squad of knights uh, holders. And then he made a, a beat from scratch and 12 squad of night holders got on that song and they created a song that will also be minted on factory uh, probably be coming out next week. And then on Friday we uh, had a little wrap up party. Um, a lot of people were leaving New York that time but we had an extra night so people came it's more of like a hangout and during the day we had a little pizza party with catalog and water and music at central park uh just kind of digesting the week all connecting very much of a, a friend to friend hangout which is probably one of my you know outside of our live minty uh fresh sessions that was like my favorite moment of the week it was just you know, being able to chop it up with Cher uh, Sherry and being able to talk with Karma from Wave World and learn about his event because we had it at the same uh, time and the same night, talking to Obi from Record Shop and and just really just kind of talking about how much growth we have seen. A lot of us went to the last NFT NYC um, I did in the fall 
and me and Karma were talking about it. There was like, I don't know, two to three music events, music NFT events. And this year it felt like there was 30, 40, um, so much so that we were like, you know what, we should all like hop on a call before the next conference and either create an experience that connects everybody to every event or do we do our own music NFT festival conference? Like we just saw so much growth from our community. So it was overall, I would say a great week. Some other events that we went to as our team, uh, the Mad Panda event, event from Evan Bogart, who wrote a bunch of songs for Beyonce. He's working on a really cool project um, and, and just kind of building this this cartoon world of, of highlighting different web three artists, but also doing it through a show. And he had a little pilot series, uh, event, Zoratopia. I've heard from countless people. I was not there, unfortunately, but I heard that was amazing. Um, economy event I heard was amazing. Venice music event I heard was amazing. The doodles event where they brought out their new CEO from billboard and announced their funding round. And also, uh, brought uh, Pharrell onto the team. I heard was great. Jaden Violet's rave event uh, in Brooklyn was extremely impactful. I went to the Drac Frost event. I thought that was really cool. And the Superfest event and Apefest. So, yeah, it was uh, all in all, I would just say a great week. And it sounds like a lot of these side events were kind of the main event. I, I was listening to another podcast and it sounded at the conference itself there were like empty rooms and speakers talking to empty rooms and everybody was at the side events. Is that a real thing or was that just a meme? But it it sounds like you were at side events the whole time, right? I didn't even have tickets to the conference. Um, I'll be totally honest. I was kind of upset. Uh, in January, I was um, connected with the NFT NYC team. They reached out to me about a presentation and um, so I made a presentation about how at Mint Songs we have onboarded a thousand artists into the space and they turned down that talk. Um, so I was like, screw it. We'll just make a bunch of we'll just make events outside of the conference, um, you know, and I don't I don't need to speak um, at, at the conference or, or even go. So there was a lot of people that I know that kind of just did their own thing. But yes, every usually every conference I've gone to in crypto or in even general conferences, the magic usually happens in the, in the coffee meetings before the day starts or the events at night, or, you know, that's, that's usually where, where the, the best opportunities happen. I'm feeling a little bit of FOMO from the sessions. I see the photos of Jazzy and Nikki and Nick standing up there and you guys have been killing it on the growth team. And I can only just imagine what the energy is like having a bunch of people from Squad of Nights and Mint Songs and Chill Pill inside of a recording studio, making a track collaboratively in one night. You were telling me about musicians just going back and forth in the studio. And that sounds very different from when I was running Alexa for Musicians and I'd get in a studio with like one person. I feel like the energy when you've got 12 or 15 different people all tag teaming inside of a booth has got to feel different. For people that haven't experienced it yet, what 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 does that feel like to have so much collaboration going on in the in the song creation process? Oh, that's where I get to just be a fly on the wall, and like ultimately, I'm not an artist, you know. That's but that's why I'm here. Music makes me feel uh, a type of way that nothing makes me feel that way. 
So it's like those moments are the moments that I truly cherish the most. Going back to January when, you know, we invited Grace Weber and Iotemi and um, Alec King and the group Pretty Much and Grady. Um, all these artists came to the studio, didn't know each other. We were like, uh, the, you know, the Chill Pill team and their producers were like, you know, let's start making some music and watching them kind of almost compete to be on the song and like being inspired and all in the same room. I, I just feed off that energy so much. Um, so it started with that. And then, yes, going into... Uh, this session, I was, you know, Kaje always does a great job in the studio. And what you're referring to is like the moment between Alec King and Domino. They made a song almost having like a conversation with each other um, that I felt super inspired by. I know Jazzy hopped on a song with Taro and then Nifty Sax came through and played the sax and Aurora came through and played the violin. And it was like, it was amazing because you're like, yeah, we've been in spaces together for the last, whatever, four to six months, six to nine months. And then to see these artists perform um, and and be in the state that like they're most comfortable in. That's why they're here. Um, I just, you know, sitting back and watching them work is like amazing. And like one night we were watching all these artists hop on a song and it's just me Pete from Beatsdale and Black Dave on the couch. And it's like, man, this is crazy right now. Like we're having some like really in-depth conversations about the industry and then also watching these artists uh, make a song. That's, that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I feel like in these, in this last year since being in the space, but yeah, it's, it was an amazing experience and uh, I'm sorry you have FOMO. You gotta, we gotta find a way to get you to the next one so you can, digest and and have the same feelings that i feel in those moments no, no worries i was talking to a friend yesterday it's i had my conference tour with voice um it was nice for me to get to go down to rosario here in argentina and give talks more in spanish like i've gone through conference circuits and given given talks in english but having the spanish spin and talking to more local creators here in argentina is a challenge that like makes my palm sweat and feels like it's outside of my comfort zone so yeah, I, I do wish I, I, I'm sure someday I'll get to experience it with the Min Songs team, but it, it's, it's all good. And I want to kind of pivot the conversation into talking about Min Songs V2, but before I do, I'd love to get your background story. I wanted to push this a little bit later, but I have not gotten to actually hear your full like backstory, and I don't think a lot of people have, so this might be a good opportunity to bring it a little bit more forward. I know you had an acquisition, and maybe we could kind of start a little bit before the acquisition and work up to like how you got into Web3, but before Min Songs, you were also working on building a different music company, correct? Yes. Um, so I think the best place to start, I, I've truly been an entrepreneur since I was 15 years old. I grew up with a, a pretty strict Italian father that at a very young age was like, all right, you're going to learn how to make money. Um I don't, you know, no matter how successful I am, that doesn't mean that you are successful. So we're going to figure out your passions. We're going to figure out your path. And I've just always had a keen interest with entrepreneurship. So starting at the age of like 12, 13, cutting grass, building businesses, very much my, my path. Um, and I went to, I went to college. I studied economics and finance, 
but I was, I was building businesses at the same time, uh, while I was in school, came out of school in 2012, um, got a job building, uh, a recruiting firm, got out of it, realized I I didn't like having a, a boss and just had too much kind of inside that I, I wanted to keep building on. So I launched a company called inside the athletic grind, um, where I interviewed and built a, a podcasting network, a network of, of podcasters. And this is in 2011, 2012. So kind of way before podcasting became a thing and just building media around how art, how athletes became professional athletes. I was a college baseball player. Didn't make it to the pros was very curious about how athletes became professionals. Um, over the course of two and a half years, I bootstrapped that business myself, couldn't figure out how to make money, couldn't figure out advertising, ran out of cash and pivoted to launching a creative agency. This was uh, at the time where WordPress and smaller businesses and startups were building websites and building their own their own brands around um, their business. And so I saw the opportunity of, you know, what I built at inside the athletic grind, I could, I could do for multiple businesses. So I partnered with VC firms, um, aligned with their portfolio projects that they invested in and started building. So that was go to market strategies. That was websites, that was tools. Um, and over the course of five years worked with over a hundred companies and probably 10 different industries focusing on the creator economy, um, tech. And while I was, while I was building, uh, in 2015, I moved out to the Bay area from Pittsburgh. My, uh, wife got a, a job with a startup out there and I was at actually at her Christmas party. I met this guy that created this tool where, he used Spotify. I used Apple Music in this link called SongLink, where you could share a link that had Spotify and Apple links on the link, um, and built a Slack application for that. So, like at work, you could just share music with your friends, and depend, you know, depending if you used Apple or Spotify, it didn't really matter. I did a lot of market research on that at the time. And realize, wow, there's, you know, this is before Linktree. This is at the time only had really link fire in the market. A lot of artists are on social and they're sharing SoundCloud links. They're sharing Spotify links. They're sharing Apple links. What if you made a link that had all of the streaming platforms in that experience? And so we both quit our jobs. I pivoted from the agency. He left PayPal we had a little bit of cash, um, but, you know, living in California is, is a little much, <laughs> especially as an entrepreneur, especially the Bay Area. Um, and so we, we dove in. Like it was you know, 2016 really focusing on how can we build this experience uh, for artists and how could we go to record labels. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't have relationships in the industry, but we saw what was happening on social. So we rolled out products that allowed you to customize your URL. Um, we got the approval of all of these streaming platforms to be able to, to use uh, a line of code to allow us to build this experience. 
And then it was my job really to start getting it into the artist's hands. So I was just making free links, going to artists like, hey, I just saw you release this new track or your new album. I made you this song link. Um, let me know what you think. You also can just head over to song.link and look up any song or album and and share those links. Um, and so, you know, it, it took off. So from 2017, we had for the first four months, I think we had less than 20,000 users. And then one day, Waka Flocka leaves Atlantic Records uses our song link and drives over 48,000 users over the course of like 24 hours to our platform and continuously uh, bigger artists that were becoming independent at the time was going to our product because it was one, it was free. And instantly after they uploaded on DistroKid, it would be available in song link. And so we went from a, a few thousand users by the end of 2017 to 248,000 users, and by the end of 2021, we had 25 million users. We were acquired by Linktree. Um, during that time, we, we did not take any funding. We bootstrapped the company ourselves. We had one other operator. I brought on a law firm that <laughs> was working with me in my past projects that just wanted you know, they, they saw the vision of what we were building. They saw the impact that we drove in that first year of 2017 and the possibility of being sued by, you know, artists not knowing that their songs are populated or labels. And so just having like that legal arm, not knowing what could happen was really important, but we stayed extremely lean. We brought on two engineers over the course of the four years um, but yeah, we were, we were acquired and, and during that time frame, you know, we built multiple tools to then allow not just artists to look up their song or album, but then to add merch links and ticket links. And really what you see today with Linktree and a bunch of these other link aggregators, we believed in this micro website, you know, you went from like this WordPress website with five different pages and this very long experience to like artists when they share music, I want you to see exactly these things. And like, that's where you see these link aggregators. They're very stacked and it's very like lean in terms of what they want you to see. It's because they want you to interact with, with things that are important real time to them. So we, we bet on that and uh, it just, it just played into our favor and, you know, during the acquisition process, my partner, who's an engineer, and really this was his baby, um, wanted to go to Linktree and keep building. I was kind of inspired to keep trying to solve this problem. I just didn't want to be a, a partnership manager or some type of just, you know, uh, employee at Linktree. And so I, I went my separate ways. Um, joined CMU, Carnegie Mellon, to be a, a mentor and help almost be like an entrepreneur in residence for their different startups that were being built there, as well as helping other startups in the ecosystem. And that's what like drove me into Web3 and realizing, you know what, like streaming didn't do it for a lot of these 
middle, smaller tier independent artists, maybe like this music NFT stuff makes sense. And just kind of going down that path of, wow, there's artists that are building uh, revenue with 50 collectors and they're not chasing 5 million streams. And uh, just seeing those use cases was inspiring for me. And so I, I joined the Mint Songs team in October. Um, it was funny because in February or, or March, I think, Pat, the same time you joined the team, Garrett and Dwight came to me and they're like, hey, I love what you did at Songlink. Like, I think you would be a great match and all this stuff. And I was like, ah, I don't I don't believe in this. I'm going to go like keep working with some CMU startups and invest in those and be part of those. And so I joined like a, a fitness app company. And then like a few months in, all of the artists from Songlink were like, what the, what the hell are you doing, man? Where are you? Like you, you built so much equity in this space over the last few years, you busted your ass. You finally got an exit. And then like, you just kind of fell off the face of the earth. And I was like, oh, I got to get back in the industry somehow. I just, I just didn't have the passion or didn't know how I was going to do it. Um, and so yeah, I just you can't just leave the music industry like that. We need you here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I mean, these are true feelings. Like you're just, I don't know how to recreate what we did. That almost killed me, but it's the thing that kind of like helped build my career. Um, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to put my wife through that again. Like these sleepless nights, you're taking side jobs to pay rents. You're, you know, focusing on the vision. You're bootstrapping a company, not taking funding. You're betting on the future. Like, that's a lot of um, just effort and it can, it can take a tool on your, especially on, on your family life. Um, so what yeah, pushed I mean, you over from the initial, initially not like, okay, Web3 might be interesting, but now's not the time. And then ultimately we uh, are sitting on a call on Nick Marich is head of growth at Mint Song. So what, what changed? It was uh, enough of those calls with artists to the point where I was like, fuck it. Let's let's do it. And uh, so I left. I left that fitness startup. Um, I still help out CMU, and I work with a lot of the different uh, startups that are being built there. But um, wanted to do this full time and and dove in in October first. And uh, yeah, I haven't looked back since. How's the uh, how's the space been feeling so far? Because you've got experience working with the small middle tier artists. You've seen what their experiences going from like not really having opportunities to streaming is like hot and now you're seeing web three, but it sounds like the whole time you've been focused on middle, smaller, more independent artists. And so what have you been like, have there been any takeaways or learnings you found so far in the web three space related to these tiers of musicians? Yeah, that's a good question. I think overall, um, like from a song link point when we're driving so many users and we're just focusing on like growth, growth, growth with users, I didn't have the time to kind of have more of these one-on-one -on -one sessions and learn more about the artists and feel you know, more connected to these different types of artists. I feel that in web three, like I feel really connected to the artist, um, you know, so much so that it, it's made me a collector and I own, I don't know, I think like less than 80 music NFTs around like 70 or so, but it's all artists that I believe in and stories that I learned about. And, 
you know, we didn't have Twitter spaces at the time and just being able to hop in and listen um, and be a, a collector and always tap into like that feeling of why I'm here. Uh, music, I feel like NFT community has really done that for me. So just like really keep tapping into my why and why do I love music and why do I love artists and um, much more than, than Songlink. Yeah, you mentioned you've got like 80 NFTs. You you definitely have more music me than me on, uh, on ETH. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec, how you're beating me on the collection of music NFTs on ETH mainnet. Before we get there, talking a little bit more about Mint Songs V2. So we've got new Mint Songs V2 for someone that didn't see what we did on June 8th, where every single musician posted the link that you guys created, you Jazzy and Nikki created. What is Mint Songs V2 and what, what is this new stuff that's being released from Mint Songs recently? Yeah, so I think taking a step back, like we launched, I think, open beta in October last year. I think it was like a week after I was hired on uh, Polygon, an open platform. We cover your minting fees. You come in, you pick the price, you pick the addition count, you know, just being this open and accessible platform. And in the, over the course, we've been able to onboard 1,400 artists into the space, a few thousand collectors, um, and artists, multiple artists coming back and minting more projects and just, just like learning, you know, rolling out analytics and splits and, and listening to the artists and building. And I think one thing that, you know, going into V2 that I kept learning, I don't know if this is like the sentiment of the team, but... A lot of artists love to experiment on Polygon, but collectors like to collect on Ethereum. And so going into V2, V2 is a one-of-one music NFT marketplace built on Ethereum using the Zora protocol. Uh, how V2 is different from other ETH music NFT marketplaces, it's a community-curated platform. So every time an artist sells their song or a collector collects they get two invite codes that pop into their profile that they're able to share with the community to um, invite the artists that they would love to collect and see on v2 uh, our go-to-market strategy and, and you you know you talked about me being uh, growth here at min songs my focus was top of funnel so how can we make this uh, a splash coming out um, and I remember preparing like 60 days before launch, Dwight was like, should we do 25 artists? Should we do 50 artists? Should we do 60 artists? Well, we reached out to a few that we definitely wanted. And over the course of like three days, we were able to land 25 and he was like, all right, let's go for 50. We land 50. All right. Maybe it's a better store if we go for a hundred. So like that. That wasn't predetermined. That was just something that happened over the conversations that we were having with multiple artists in the industry. Some net new. I believe we had 23 on sound, 36 that were from catalog. So a lot of these were artists that we've seen in the space before. Um, but we try to grab as many diverse and different backgrounds, just artists that could represent this space. And so on launch day, we were very much quiet a few weeks leading up to that. And our approach was let's focus on 
the marketing on the day of the launch, and then focus post-minting. Learning from Polygon, and I'm sure a lot of people in the crowd has, have seen that we've done Twitter spaces in the past, focusing on releases of artists that released that week. Um, we always like focus on a few releases, and then next week went to another release. Next week went to another release. With this, we wanted to focus on, okay, let's make the statement be the release and then do all of the Twitter spaces and the competitions and the NFT NYC events and like things after the launch. Um, and I think that really benefited our go-to-market strategy. But yes, just to, to wrap it up, it's V2 is a one-of-one -one music NFT marketplace built on ETH using the Zora protocol. Okay, so we've got Ethereum, we've got invites, we've got one-of-ones, we're built on top of Zora. I am very familiar, like, building out a lot of this technology, what it's like moving from Polygon over to ETH mainnet. But as far as I'm aware, this is the first music NFT platform that exists on multiple chains. Like, you've got the sounds and the catalogs, they all exist on ETH mainnet. Mint songs and you leading growth and Jazzy and Nikki, y'all have to figure out, okay, well, how do we explain this to a community of musicians that just wrapped their head around Polygon, what it means to be on multiple chains, why we're on ETH mainnet. And so I'm curious to hear like what it's been for you to be that communication vessel to musicians. Do they care? Do they know what it means to be on ETH versus Polygon? Like what, what has the storytelling been like as the first music NFT platform to span multiple blockchains? Yeah, I mean, we can always tell artists how to use the tools, but I, I think we myself, Nikki, Jazzy, you know, we can explain the data of what we're seeing, but I've been trying to really just be an active listener during this time. What I've learned from a lot of artists that they want to use Polygon to really build community and then having V2 as being like this moment for them. So a place where they can do high edition counts on Polygon um, and do multiple projects there. And even like if I release an album, Maybe all of my songs, like, for example, the Squad of Nights, the song we made, and they're releasing a full album that's going to have, like, a, an official rollout. And it's all from Illmind and all of the holders. They're going to do nine of the songs on Polygon in the one single they're going to do on the one of one. So I think a lot of artists are looking at it this way of, okay, how do we build up to this moment? on v2 as that one-of-one -one experience but also stay on top and keep releasing music and build up the quality of their community and collectors by using the factory and and um polygon so i i feel like there's still a lot of findings and a lot of ways that are going to be creative with how artists are releasing on both marketplaces but i believe that um you know, it's it's us just trying to create more moments for artists and V2 is a, a great place for them to really showcase that that one song and, and really build a deeper connection with that one collector and, you know, understand their different types of collectors. So if you're on Polygon and you have a, a track that's priced between 20 to $50 and then you have something that might be 0.2 to 0.5, on uh, V2, it gives them more understanding of, you know, who's really investing into their community, 
how can they build utility around those collectors and what are they doing on their end to continuously build a deeper connection with their fans? Okay. So if a musician, this is like giving more of a creative canvas for musicians where other platforms might only offer, Hey, you got to stomach the gas costs. You better know what you're doing because you're going to be spending 20 to 50 bucks to mint this and you're going to have to charge appropriately sounds like having both chains gives musicians more of a canvas to say, I want to do a bunch of drops and make it very low price point and build up my expertise while I try out this blockchain thing and really wrap my head around it. And then after they've built up that community, after they've developed their thoughts and really have a clear vision, then they can execute on ETH mainnet and Mint Songs gives opportunities for both of those. Yes. And I, and I think that's going to be our path, right? Like I, I believe artist tooling, is the path for us. I'm not speaking from in songs. I'm speaking from my personal perspective, us to keep our head down, keep listening to artists, being able to roll out products and tools for artists in a fast way. Um, you know, we always talk about this, but I really lean on our eng team and our ability to listen to our users and spin things out and build quickly. Um, and I think we're going to continuously do that. So artists can come in and, and have a canvas and Jazzy can hop on and have these one-on-one sessions with them and talk about the possibilities from an artist's perspective on how to use these tools. And Nikki can connect with them on how they're going to connect with their community and their collectors and ultimately just building a roadmap for them to keep experimenting in the space. Okay. And we got to talk about your status of collector because for the longest time I have been holding it over your head that I have way more music NFTs than you. On yeah. Polygon. You send me like texts in the middle of the night, like, Hey, I got your beat. I'm like, dude, shut up and go to sleep every, every day. day. It's, yeah. a big, yeah. it's a big yeah. point of my ego to, to just know that I had more. And now <laughs> mid song V2 comes out on ETH mainnet and I get a message from you. Hey, I own more music NFTs than you do on Ethereum. And I don't know that I'm going to catch up. I, I think I'm a Polygon collector and I think you're, you're just, you just got it on the ETH side. And so I, I got to right. hear from you. Who are the musicians you found important enough to be collecting <laughs> on ETH mainnet? And what uh, is, uh, is it like the connection you've got to the musicians? Maybe not talking about specific musicians because you, you've got a position of power, but maybe more of like what's been driving the decisions for you to be collecting who you've been collecting on ETH mainnet? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely talk about the musicians. Like I, for... I, I collected Alec King, I believe was my, no, Jamie Cornelia was my first one because I believe her song No Guidance is the one, the first one I bought. I just thought that was like one of my favorite songs, part of V2. I like listened to all of the songs and I was like, all right, what is, what is like the song that, that like connects with me to the most? What's something that I could place a, at least my first bid on? Um, and her track was just an absolute banger. And Dwight sent it to me and he's like, yo, I'm, I'm putting a bit on this thing. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to counter that. Like whatever you, <laughs> whatever you're going to throw down, I'm going to, and he put like 0.5 and then I think I snagged it at 0.55. Um, so that was my first one. And then Mark DeClive, who somebody, I, I might be saying his last name wrong. Um, that's somebody who I've just kind of looked up to in, in the space from afar when he, rolled out that campaign of buyback and buying back um, his masters. And I, I just thought, you know, what he was doing in the space and the amount of spaces and how much community he's been driving in the space. Um, he's just somebody I wanted to, 
a community I wanted to be a part of. Like, and I, even today he created a group message with all the collectors and I'm like, man, all of these collectors are like extremely impactful people in this space. And I think they probably think in the same light of just really respecting what he's doing for the community um, and driving more artists in the space. So I wanted to support him, Jazzy, uh, artist success manager, just somebody who we brought onto our team has been crushing it. Also really loved her song and the inspiration behind it of giving back to her, her cousin and felt moved by her story. Um, and wanted to, to support her as an artist. Uh, that's, you know, not just cause she's on my growth team. I didn't have to buy her project. She didn't say, Nick, like, can you buy my, <laughs> this was me just saying like, well, I'm really inspired by this story. I really like this project. I'm going to throw a bit on it. Uh, and luckily I, I got it. And then the other ones, Alec King and Domino, um, I've watched Alec King work in the studio. I think, I think I've seen him make like three to five songs, but he's somebody who's been probably one of my closest friends out of the artists in the space and honestly he's he's one of my favorite artists and and that is currently creating music nfts i think he's extremely talented i think he has a sound that is very original to him um and the way he can write quickly in the moment and make melodies and beats and I, I'm just very inspired by one, how he works, but also the output uh, it, while he's in the studio. So that was def definitely a track that I, I wanted to purchase. And then Domino's, the utility with Domino. And, you know, I talked about this earlier uh, at NFT NYC, Domino and Alec King made this song where they're like having a conversation back and forth. I thought it was really interesting and I've been following Domino for a long time. I mean, we all know Domino and the impact that he's had on the space, but the utility with this drop creatures was whoever purchased it was going to be, I believe an executive producer and then also help him create the music video for the project. Um, I've never helped create a music video. I thought, you know what? Fuck it. This is really interesting. I really love Domino, somebody who I really believe in the space. I think he's doing innovative things. I also want to be part of this project. So I've, I've collected five so far. I have my eye on Iotemi. I have my eye on some other artists. Um, I see you in the crowd, Iotemi. But um, yeah, the, just a really talented group and, and cohort um, that I'm thankful to be able to support. Okay, so I'm hearing a lot of reasons. I feel like the general conversation is speculation and utility, but the first reasons I hear, good music from Jamie Cornelia, community membership from communities that you want to be a part of, supporting artists you love like Jazzy, and then utility might come in later on with people like Domino that are really innovating in some cool ways on utility. I'm curious of the collector difference in mindset, because we talked a little bit about why musicians might want to publish on Polygon versus Ethereum. But I think there's a difference in collector mindset as well, like just taking you and myself. I collect tons of music NFTs on Polygon. I try to buy one music NFT a day, and I've got over well over hundreds of music NFTs. You have way more music NFTs than I do on Ethereum, and I see we have CXY in the crowd. He, was, he bought my first podcast NFT on ETH Mainnet, and he had a similar sentiment that like he's a collector on ETH Mainnet, and it's different, and the, the complexities are different on Polygon versus Ethereum. 
but maybe just asking you, like, why why do you think you are collecting more on ETH mainnet than on Polygon, or what what might that difference be from a collector's perspective? Yeah, I don't know if I have a great reason for that. To be honest, I I just really like the projects. Like, I'm not too wrapped up in the security or what's more the most decentralized or like what has the most developer community. Can I make money on this in the future? I'm, I, again, I go back to the way that music makes me feel and all of these projects have made me feel a certain way that pushed me over the edge to want to make a bid and keep being a part of the community that they're building at a higher value. I, I think the, the the reason why I've been buying more on V2 than on Polygon is just because of the value. I want to build a deeper relationship with these artists. I want to continuously follow them on their path as an artist and find ways to keep adding value to their career, but also watch them and feel part of that that growth. And I feel more connected on ETH than I do on Polygon. As we come into the last quarter of the episode, if anybody in the crowd would like to come up and ask questions to the head of growth, marriage.eth at Songs, just request. I will let you up on the stage. We start to open it up to the audience in the last little bit. Next question I've got for you, Nick. Uh, how are you thinking about partnerships? Because I think it's really cool that you've partnered. We've got ChillRx in the crowd. I think the stuff we've been doing with ChillPill is really cool. Also hearing that the Squad of Knights had a studio session where you had to have one of the Squad of Knights to come in and to use the studio. I really like Minsong's positioning itself to collaborate with some of these music-focused NFT projects. How, how are these decisions being made? Like, What's running through your head when you're thinking of who to approach or who to align Minsong's with when it comes to the partnerships in the music NFT space? Yeah, there's, there's a few things, like with Chill Pill, Squad of Nights, Koji, MoonPay. Um, always making it a win-win. So like understanding the partner's KPIs and what are their goals over the next you know, few sprints or, or few months. And do those KPIs align with our goal and our product roadmap? Um, and also making sure that it aligns with, with both of our communities. How does this benefit artists, you know, as an open platform and building tools for artists, our main KPI is getting more artists into space and using our tools. So like, does this partnership benefit that um and why now i think what's extremely important with partnerships is timing you could roll out partnerships that don't make sense at the wrong time and not really have a lot of impact and you can also roll out partnerships at the perfect time that can have um a lot of impact on the on the company on the product on the future of what you're trying to build and then you know doing things that don't scale at a partnership level and then figuring out what would the lift be and the integration in the long term um, and finding a starting point that is frictionless. You know, these are just some of the random thoughts that go into my brain as we're navigating partnerships and how it makes sense for us and do the ethos aligned. Um, is it lopsided? Is it a win-win? Like, and I felt like with Chill Pill, it was very natural uh, meeting Sid and what he's building over there and connecting with FK, who runs partnerships, and uh, meeting Pei and Devin and being a part of a few of those events where, like, yeah, let's invite some artists to record plan. And, 
you know, now that has rolled into, you know, maybe we'll do songwriting camps. Maybe we'll drop uh, PFP chill pill projects on V2. Like we're building up to that, but it all started with this space of building a community for artists and collectors and people in this space to connect with one another. Uh, the squad of nights, that was a relationship that I've been building with ill mind. I would say for the last few months, uh, I don't know if anybody knows ill mind or who has had conversations with ill mind. It's probably the most humble guy that I know um, in terms of how talented and how many accomplishments he has been able to uh, create for himself and what he's been able to do in the industry. Um, just somebody who wanted to build a community for artists and developing producers. And he came to me and was like, I really need a marketplace that I can just depend on to help with those one-on-one -on -one artist sessions. If we want to release a project and do a full album rollout, I want to have a marketplace that I can lean on. And we were just able to really fill the gap for him and support him and his roadmap of what he's creating right now and what he wants to do in the future. And it made a ton of sense for us. Uh, but it was after, you know, months of us having calls, us ideating and not pushing, but trying to trying to land on the right starting point for us that really, like I said, was frictionless. Um, and then Koji, um, you know, this is a competitor of Linktree. This is somebody that I, I, you know, they were building a lot of tools in-house and trying to build in Web3 with a lot of their users that are mostly on the Web2 side. And, you know, they have over 100,000 artists using their platform. And they came to us wanting to be able to build uh, mint songs within their marketplace and artists would be able to use their domain. So when they're you know, sharing your different music NFTs. You can also share your full rollout of different uh, of your song that might be on streaming platforms or you might have a show around it, but being able to tell that full story uh, and having that link partner, I thought was very crucial for us to be able to offer to, to our artists. So that was very important for us. And then we've made a lot of integrations in, in the path of, of moon pay and by economy and, and so I, I think how we think about partnerships in the future is just how can this really benefit artists? Are we meeting both of our KPIs? Are we making this into a win-win? What is the time frame, and how can we get this off the ground? Now we're in the party's kicking off. Now we've got the king of the Indigos, Indigo four three two Ao Temi. Welcome to the stage. Did you have a question for Nick Merch? Hey, peace, y'all. Peace, y'all. Two of my favorite people in the space. What's good, Nick? What's good, sweet man? Um, yeah. How are we doing, buddy? I'm good, G. I'm good. I just got back to LA. Um, but yeah, I did have a question. So for my next release, um, I want to release it on Mint Songs V2, but I also have a music video that I shot. Um, is there a way to do like a, a collab release with you guys and maybe a, a video platform like? glass or zora but i don't know is there a particular one that y'all lean on i like to keep my stuff cohesive you know what i'm saying absolutely and uh i'll keep it inside baseball with everybody but i'm i'm talking to glass next tuesday hey. 
about how we can just uh, be able to hand off, not hand off, but find this path where if an artist like yourself wants to release a music video that is attached to their project, could they do it in a cohesive way? Um, so this is perfect timing. And I haven't used Zora. Um, I mean, maybe Jazzy, you could pop up here from talking more from an artist perspective, because I believe you have used Glass in Zora. But yeah, absolutely. I would love to talk more about that. Uh, tell me, from your perspective, how was the Minty Fresh Sessions um, and how was it being able to just connect with people in the community that have collected your music NFTs and just kind of like showing face after just being, you know, on Twitter spaces for months and, and finally being able to connect with your community? Yeah, I mean, I feel like y'all did a very – see, one thing I love about uh, – about Web3 is the uh, the atmosphere that we create when we come together. You know, in the spaces, there's a certain atmosphere, a certain energy. Um, you guys did an amazing job of kind of replicating or, or meeting that same amazing, you know, conducive atmosphere that we have in spaces in IRL. You know, it was a very, uh, very intimate vibe, very clean, you know, plant life everywhere. Um, it was just it was just fly. It was beautiful. Y'all had the open bar, um, free drinks for everybody. Y'all had free food. Um, you know, we had people sitting on the floor. We had people sitting on the couches. Everybody seemed very cozy and very happy. And, um, you know, when I came up to do my thing, it was just like fitting a puzzle piece, you know. So, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I loved it. I appreciate you for believing in us coming through and, and performing. And uh, I think I, I, I told you before you performed, I was like, shake up the room. Got to give them that Iotemi, Io shake up the room. I kept saying that to you. I think it was, you know, your spirit and uh, your positive energy was like immediately felt. And, uh, you know, we're just lucky to have you. Yeah, man. You know, when Indigo 432 is on his job, you know what I'm saying? We're going to bring the vibes. So, yeah. It was it was it was one for the memory for the for the history books for sure. Appreciate if if I could ask you one more question, Ayotemi, is it is it cool if I ask you one? Yes, sir. How has it felt? I feel like you've been one of the people who kind of champion mint songs overall. I feel like if anyone asks me who are the top musicians on mint songs, your name always comes up in every conversation. And you're one of the Genesis musicians on the ETH release as well. How, how has Mint Song's V2 release felt for you? Like, what have your thoughts been coming into this, being one of the Genesis artists, knowing what it's like on Polygon, coming over to the One of Ones? What what have your thoughts been about the Mint Song's V2 release? I'm not going to lie. You know, I love I, I love Mint Song's, so I got I to gotta be real. Um, one thing I really loved about Mint Song's was the, the community, you know, the, the ability to mint up to 50 editions. I just loved that that route you know um i'm i'm somebody that i don't know i just don't like selling things it's it's always been hard for me it, and i and i need to get better at it just because like you know you got to make money but i i never like selling things it's part of the reason why i never sold weed or anything like that even merch i tend to give my merch away um so like going on there and asking people to buy my one of one 
which I have to price it more because I don't have as many editions. Um, I don't know. I feel like there needs to be some kind of balance between the first, you know, the first wave, y'all gut instinct, and then this um this new iteration. But it's smooth. I, I like I like how it's you know. Yeah, I like how it's it's on ETH. Um, it's one of ones, cool. But I gotta say, I I love the original V1. So if there could be a way to maybe make a V2.5 and have both, I'd greatly, I'd greatly enjoy that. <laughs> I don't know if I can say too much. You got anything to say there, Nick? <laughs> Shut up, sweets. It's kind of, just, just be patient. I would tell me you, you've believed in us in the past, believe in us in the future. Well, one thing I, I do really uh, love about our team is that we're active listeners. So we listen to our community we react and we build off of the feedback that we receive from our community. So um, everything that you say is very important to us and definitely feedback that we'll be able to build on in the future. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all having me. And a shout out in the Indigos in the room. You know what I'm saying? Blessings. We're wrapping up on time. So the last question I got for you, Nick, some people might argue we're in a bear market. I uh, don't know how many people were convincing their family to buy ETH back in Thanksgiving and Christmas when it was at $4,000. But for some reason, people think we're in a bear market right now and we're seeing musicians that came in when the price was high, nowhere to be found now, minted NFTs and they're not around. But some like Iotemi are here to build through it. I'm curious of uh, what advice you would give for them. Like, are there any projects you're looking at right now that might be interesting to the musicians that are building through this? or any advice for musicians that are here right now that are questioning all their life decisions they've made since Thanksgiving, any advice for dealing with this market from the perspective of music NFTs? Yeah. I, I mean, like learn from what just I Timmy said, um, you know, be in this game to really build your community, not to sell things. So having that approach of being experimental, going to multiple platforms, um, using the tools that are, at your at your fingertips and being able to keep experimenting and finding ways to listen to your own community that could be 10 collectors that could be five collectors that could be 50 that could be a thousand and keep building with them um, no matter what the price of eth or market that we're in people still need music um, music gets me through the day it it makes me feel like nothing else so uh, that should be inspiration enough for artists to know that we're not just out here as collectors, we're out here as music lovers and, and people want that from artists. So keep building, keep creating music uh, platforms. I was, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of meetings last week and meet with a lot of different founders and hear their perspective, especially on bear market and what they're building. Um, I really like what Doper's doing like this idea around, you know, I think like pricing needs a lot of innovation in this industry. So like building tools around predictive pricing and behavioral strategy and um, music behavior as, as a listener, I think they're doing really interesting things led by a neuroscientist and somebody who spent a lot of time uh, behind a label and as a manager. So I believe in that team, and I know Cam Murdoch's also the community manager over there, really like where they're headed. Um, 
and then communities like Squad of Knights and Kev the Monkey, I just, time and time again, every opportunity I get to talk about Illmind, I'll talk about Illmind. He's very, some, somebody that really believes in just giving, 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 giving as much value as he can to his holders, to the community of artists, to producers. And I think he's going to keep building a community that has so much impact in this space. Uh, and it's very much the start for him uh, as well as the chill pill team, like chill pill, Kev, the monkey squad of nights. Those are three music projects that I'm really inspired by Kev, the monkey. They are led by a founder came from Island records. They own the song that has the most streams of all time on TikTok with like 17 billion or something. Um, they're building this, this character, Kevin monkey, and just like figuring out how they're going to keep continuously building that community. But I just believe in the founders. Um, I think after a while, when you talk to teams and people behind the teams mean so much. So the, the people that I met there, I think, are really interesting and will continuously build a community that has impact. Arpeggi Labs uh, was able to grab dinner with, with their founders, um, and Dwight and Garrett are, are two founders on one of the nights, and just learn more about them as people and their place in the market and building this on-chain digital audio workstation. Um that I think is really interesting from a CCO standpoint um, and just having this like play area for creators in the space, I think is very necessary for this market in lens protocol. Like I need to do a deeper dive, like sweets, you're freaking obsessed with lens. All, all I see is you tweeting about lens. Like it's annoying. You need to tweet about other things, but uh I love Lens. I, I think they're really interesting. I really like Christina from Lens. I saw them all over NFT NYC. I, I need to learn more about the impact and their future roadmap. But what I've seen thus far, I think it's a, a platform um, that I'm curious about. Whole lot to be excited about, even the price of ETH is down, Nick. Wrapping up the episode, thank you so much for coming in. I got to express this publicly. It is an absolute honor to be building Men's Songs with you. So thank you for dealing with me and putting up with my annoying lens posts. Iotemi, thank you also for coming up here and just bringing that Indigo energy. And to everybody in the audience, thank you for making time for us. Today. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Nick couple of action items if you have not already given this podcast a review and you enjoy this podcast please give us a five-star review it helps other people to find us to get more listeners also we are dropping another nft with this podcast as per the usual each episode has an nft this nft is special because i will not be listing it for sale it is only available for the first 100 collectors of my Lens Protocol NFT. If you didn't hear what Nick said, I talk a lot about Lens. As a result, I wanted to incent people to start leveraging the Lens Protocol. And so if you were one of the first 100 followers on my uh, Lens profile, you get that NFT for free. Um, I've already passed 100. I think I'm now at like 149. So it's too late for you to get one if you have not already but I will be minting it for free on a custom smart contract. So 
stay tuned. 100% of the NFT metadata is going to be on chain. So thanks again for tuning in. If you got any questions, this is Sweetman Dottie signing off.